Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to episode 81 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And today we are going to talk about the new modifiers that just came out in uh, 2022 and give you a little bit of update on that. And, and we also wanted to have a discussion on Eurodynamics, just a little more clarification and um kind of how to look at Eurodynamics and I know there's a lot of repetition out there with the practices so once you start doing it it's pretty uh, straightforward but uh, wanted to touch touch that a little bit today as well. So with that Mark you want to bring us up to speed on the new modifiers? Sure so we got um, three new modifiers two of them HICPIX modifiers <clears throat> and one new CPT modifier. Um We've gotten a little uh, direction from CMS on how to use the two HICPIC modifiers, um, but uh, we haven't seen anything really definitive on the CMS website. So we're picking up some of this information on the two new HICPIC modifiers from the final rule. And then we had at least one Mac that gave us some guidance. So. Um, we'll give you what we've got so far on those two modifiers. Um, the first modifier is FS. Um, this is the modifier that was created to um, deal with the with the new rule for uh, shared and split billing uh, in the facility setting. Uh, so remember, uh, we did give you some instruction a couple episodes back on shared and split billing. Um, in the hospital setting that this year, 2022, um, shared and split billing requires that if you are um, working uh, with uh, somebody employed by your same practice, uh, like an APP, and uh, both a physician and an APP see a patient um, in a facility on the same date, that the billing provider is the provider that has the uh, most effort um, if it is a medical decision making and the most time if it is a time-based E&M code. So um, your documentation is going to have to uh, support that um, and then you attach the FS modifier uh, to that E&M code. Uh, so um, that demonstrates that this was a shared or split build visit. Again, it goes on the hospital or critical care um, or the observation codes, um, uh, the SNF codes. So any of those facility-based E&M services, including critical care, if you are uh, sharing that visit, so there's two people involved and um, the billing provider has to, the documentation shows the billing provider spent the most time, that FS modifier is appended to the E&M code. Um, there was also a new modifier FT um, that was created uh, to deal with the fact that critical care um, in the proposed rule was going to be bundled as part of a global 
um, regardless of who provided the service. But that in the final rule, uh, they decided not to follow through with that. Um, and uh, the critical care is payable um, in the global as long as it, it and payable in full as long as it is um, not related to the surgery. Um, and because of that, they created a new modifier FT um, that is appended in the wording of this modifier makes it look like you would use it um, in place of modifier 24 or modifier 25. <clears throat> and the way we're interpreting it right now is this is a modifier that goes on to the E&M service in the post-operative period that was unrelated and it is appended regardless of the provider. So if the surgeon um, operated on a hip um, and then an intensivist actually saw the patient for critical care in the global uh, for a heart attack, um, then the FT modifier would be uh, placed even on the intensivist bill. And if the, for whatever reason, the surgeon was involved and it is a separate, they would probably add the 24 as well. So again, these are things that we are interpreting right now based on the final rule. Um, and we're going to have to keep an eye and see if there's some additional information that comes out from Medicare. Um, again, we saw a little bit of guidance from a couple of uh, one of the MACs, uh, but not much beyond the final rule or that one MACs comments on it. So again, we'll keep an eye on that. Then the last modifier was actually a CPT modifier, modifier 93. Um, which is synchronous telemedicine rendered via telephone or other real-time interactive audio-only telecommunication system. Um, as you know, during the pandemic uh, um, uh, emergency, the public health emergency, uh, Medicare allows for uh, audio-only services with the 994-4142-43. Uh, Medicare has not come out and commented and say, to say that they would like to see that 93 modifier added it to those codes. Um, and until they do, I would not append this modifier at this point. Um, just go ahead and use the 994-4142 and 43 um, without the modifier until we get some direction. If you start to see denials on those codes uh, during the public health emergency, um, again, you'll want to, uh, which by the way, we're looking to see renewed pretty soon. Um, the, uh, we would, um, expect that Medicare is not yet ready to use that 93 cause they haven't issued a rule. Um, now the, the private payers may have, um, this, uh, set up in their system sometime in the near future. Again, I'm, I'm not sure that they would have it set up right now, but there are some private payers around the country that will allow audio only for your E&M visits. Um, you'll have to check with the payer. Uh, and whether or not they want to see that 93 modifier as well. So those are the three modifiers that were added this year. Um, again, one in CPT and two in HICPICS, and we're going to have to watch them all to see what kind of uh, clarification comes out as to when we use them, other than what we've given you at this point. Mark, Ray? I have one quick question. Mm -hmm. uh, in the split split visit, there was some yeah. verbiage by Medicare that since you can't tell, really quantify uh, uh, effort, that the person that spent the most time is the one that should bill. 
even if you are under, if you're billing according to medical decision making. So do you bill based on time spent by the individual? In other words, who spent the most time, even if you're uh, charging by medical decision making? So you may recall um, that the um, the proposed rule was exactly that. And actually, that will be the rule in 2023, that regardless of how you um, bill or choose the level of E&M service, it's the provider with the most time or the the physician or the APP, the person with the most time into the visit. But for 2022, which is a phase-in year, um, they did say that if it's a time-based visit, so if you select the E&M code based on time, then it's the, it's the person with the most time in. But if it's MDM, it's the person with the, with the most effort, um, the most work, which can be a hard one to, for them, I think, to really kind of discern. Um, but I, what I'm thinking at this point is that if the physician does, the, you know, if there were an APP and a physician in a hospital setting, um, seeing the patient on the same date, if the physician did reconfirm all of the physical exam findings that were negative and then wrote the medical decision-making uh, portion of that on his visit note um, or her visit note, um, then they would bill. They would be able to bill saying they did the most effort in that. Um, you know, the history could come from somewhere else. So that's why I'm looking at the, the effort in the visit. Um, that was there. But um, again, we don't have like detailed guidance there. So that's a bit of an interpretation, but it doesn't require the most time documentation unless you're billing time-based um, until 2023. Now, are you, uh, are you required to put the FS modifier on the, the E&M codes that you're uh, using MDM? Or is it strictly time, or is it both? both. If you have a shared visit, if it if it's a shared visit, it, the FS goes on. Well, thanks for clarifying that. We've had several questions, and I know that there's a lot of folks out there a little confused, but I think <clears throat> we made it very clear. Well, as clear as like we can at the moment, which so that makes it mud. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll get some more clarification. <laughs> Yes. <clears throat> okay. Uh, any more on the modifiers? Any more comments? Questions? Not for me. Okay. Hopefully that helps. All right. Well, let's move on to Eurodynamics. And, uh, you know, for me, in, in looking at Eurodynamics, it seems very, you know, there's a lot, lot of moving parts and a lot to it, uh, you know, just from the questions I see coming in. But, uh Mark, you say it's uh, pretty straightforward and pretty easy once you understand it. I guess it's kind of like every coding, uh, every every piece of coding that you got to understand the basics behind it. So you want to just bring us through and and maybe give us the basics of Eurodynamic coding? Yeah, sure. So um, one of the, 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 I guess, the fundamental test in Eurodynamics is the, the CMG. Um, and we have the CMG now with the bundling that was done several years ago, 
in four different codes. So if it's just a CMG, um, then that that's 51726. Then there's the next level up, which has a CMG plus a UPP or a urethral pressure profile study. Um, then there's the CMG with bladder voiding pressure. And then there's the CMG with the urethral pressure profile and the voiding pressure. So those are all different codes, the 27 being the UPP and CMG, and the 51728, the CMG plus the bladder voiding pressure, and then the 29, which is the bladder voiding pressure, CMG, and the urethral pressure profile study. You need to make sure that your documentation from your test, usually on the machine, supports all that you're billing and pick the right code. Now, a lot of offices will have a standard order for that CMG, that base level urodynamic. Um, and typically, but not all the time, um, when a test, a, a urodynamic study is ordered on a male um, and, and you're not looking for uh, incontinence or you're not uh, examining them maybe post-surgical, um, the typical test that we've seen done is a CMG with avoiding uh, pressure only, so the 51728. Now, on females, a lot of times you are looking for incontinence explanations and diagnosis. And in those cases, a lot of times uh, you will do both a urethral pressure profile study and avoiding pressure. So um, those are commonly billed with 51729. Um, we don't see many folks um, billing a straight 51726, but it could be done, which is just the CMG. We don't see many um, tests where it's the CMG plus just the urethral pressure profile study. Um, so the most common codes are the, the 51728, again, predominantly on men, um, in which you're not trying to diagnose incontinence, and then the 51729, which can be done on men. Um, don't, I don't want to give that impression. It's just it's not done um, in the majority of cases. Um, and then the 517229 um, for women. So that's your kind of base level code. And then on top of that, um, there's almost always a Euroflow done, a 51741, um, and a EMG, a patch EMG, which is the 51784. Um, then um, for a, a full urodynamics test, there usually a second catheter is used or a second test to come up with the abdominal voiding pressure, which is the 51797 as an add-on code. Um, so again, you're going to want to make sure you understand your own urodynamics equipment um, and what it can and can't test for. Um, and if there are two measurements, um, and when we look at the, the chart documentation, um, we see a PABD, a pressure of the abdomen, um, that should help you know that the 51797 was done. Um, and it's, it's actually calculated, um, as, a, as a, you'll see, a calculated differential um, between the bladder voiding pressure and the abdominal voiding pressure. So those are some of the key things you're going to want to see a P 
for bladder and a P for the abdomen to see your two pressures. If those are being done, the urethral pressure profile is a separate line on the the report that you should see information from, or you're going to see a Valsalva or a cough test to look at some of the, the UPP any method. And then um, you're of course going to have your CMG readings, your EMG readings, um, and the in the Euroflow um, for all of those. So that's really what you're looking for on the on the base level uh, report from your equipment. And then there should be an interpretation of that information in a summary. Um, you know, uh, comments about each of the individual numbers, or not each of them, but a number, maybe a, a summary of a couple of the specific numbers, like the top voiding pressure or the urge to urinate. Uh, so some summary of the test, um, in addition to just the raw data that comes from the aerodynamics machine. Um, and so those are the things that you're looking for in your documentation. Um, and then occasionally you'll also see that they bill a 51798 or a post void residual, um, either prior to or after the, the Eurodynamics. So hopefully that gives you a little bit, Scott, on that, that whole thing. Um, I know we've had a number of questions there, and it is one of those things when I'm looking at patterns um, for offices in, and when I'm looking at production reports. Uh, I am going to look at what is the predominant uh, use of the 2.8 and the 2.9 um, and find out what their practice is like to see if there's maybe an error there and start asking questions. Um, I'm also going to uh, look at uh, and make sure that there's not more 51797s than a base level 2.6, 2.7, 2.8, and 2.9. Um, I'm going to see the, I'm going to check the 51784. And again, same thing. Typically, that's not going to be billed more uh, frequently than the 272829 and the, the 26 as a sum, um, unless they're uh, the practice is using the Eurocuff and they're in an area where they're required to use the 53899 for the base level Eurocuff test instead of the 5172852. So those are just a few things that I, I look at from overall billing patterns. And then uh, from there, take that key to dive a little bit deeper. And then lastly, I always try and pull a couple of records for a practice to see that there's a good summary of all the data and that the data is there to support each one of those tests. So can you clarify, okay, when you say a good summary, do they need the reports that are generated from the machines to attach there? What's the, what's the best documentation that you recommend? Well, you should have the full reports in the medical record, um, without a doubt, the base level data. Typically, that's done in your office. Um, but the report or the summary could either be appended to the reports from the machine, or it could be a part of the evaluation and management note. Um, and But I do, as we see with the new E&M guidelines, and as we have encouraged you to incorporate the data in the medical decision-making, um, you might have a full report um, summary, if you will, in the attached to the aerodynamics, but and m maybe a little bit more abbreviated report within the electronic or within the E&M code with connected to your medical decision-making. 
Um, but you can put it all in the E&M note, um, even though you have that, because um, you have that separate report um, that's there and make sure that that medical decision-making is in there. If you, especially if you're doing it on the same day, you need to support that modifier 25 significant, uh, separate significant identifiable E&M service on the same day because these are all zero globes. Um, so it's got to be, I got this information. Here's my summary of this information. And, and here's what I need to do to treat this patient based on this information. Are you seeing a lot of missed uh, E&M with uh, 25s being, or, or people, or offices generally catching those? Mm, I, so I would say I'm not seeing it uh, lost a, a lot of times. Um, and part of that is because there are oftentimes in the clinics where the urodynamics test and the visit are on different days because they have a, a urodynamic tech that comes into the office and oftentimes they're bringing the patients back because the physician of the, the ordering physician maybe isn't in the office on that day, some of that. So there's a, a lot of times those are built on separate days. <clears throat> but for those folks that are billing them on the same date, um, I would say the majority of uh, folks that we've looked at those records do reasonably well trying to build the E&M visit. Um, but there are several we've run into where they haven't done as well supporting the use of the data in the medical de decision-making. That's probably my biggest hole that I see. And that and, and actually the using the 51729 um, too often because they're they're not really doing a, a urethral pressure profile study on men. And that kind of was a, you know, a habit that got picked up and has been billed repetitively over time. So those are probably the bigger mistakes that I see. Okay. Ray, any uh, comments, questions? No, I think that was, uh, that was very good. I, I guess I should add that you, you, both of you mentioned that in order to bill it, you have to have shown that you use it in medical decision making. The ENF, what a, correct. Yeah. What a novel idea. <laughs> you know, that's what you have to do with everything. Yep. Lab test in your report doesn't work. It's what you do with it in your medical decision making. To count it as data. Yep. A recurring right. theme. <clears throat> and uh and and since and obviously the cmgs are all you know you can't bill any of those they're they're uh you can't unbundle those you know uh, but are there any other modifiers that you need in any of this uh eurodynamic stuff no you don't <clears throat> now the one thing i didn't mention and it's not done very frequently but occasionally they'll do video eurodynamics so they they inject or uh, instill a dye into the the in through the, the catheter, which is the uh, an additional code, the five one six hundred, and then of course you have your radiologic um, for your video urodynamics. Um, so those are two extra codes, but they're all none of them are bundled, with the exception of obviously you've got to pick the right five one seven two code as your base, which you said. <clears throat> And then, oh, I guess the other one is occasionally people try and bill a, a catheterization 
um, for those and the catheters bundled into all of those, obviously. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap this one up. Um, any any final thoughts from you, Ray, on what we discussed today? No. Mark, final thoughts? Nope. I think that uh, we've covered those two. Um, I, I, we're going to try and address the no surprise billing act in a little more detail next week. Um, so give everybody a little heads up there. Sounds good. All right. We, uh, as we mentioned last week, we have switched our seminar from in-person in New Orleans to the virtual seminar, and it's going to be on January 28th and 29th. We hope you join us. Uh, we got a lot of, uh, good, good information that we're going to get out, you know, some people really preferred the the virtual over the in person. Um, some people vice versa, but uh, the virtual does give us a little more opportunity to, um, you know, get some different uh, uses of the the technology, and and obviously we can record and do some of those other things much easier as well. So we do encourage you to join us uh, on the 28th and 29th live. It's a lot of great information on that. With that. Take us out, Ray. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery. <laughs>